welcome to the first official episode of the Life with Dwayne podcast. My name is Madeline McCabe, and I'm so happy that you're here. I chose to call this podcast Life with Dwayne after the congenital eye condition Dwayne syndrome, which I was diagnosed with as a baby nearly 23 years ago. I learned a lot of technical information about Dwayne syndrome over the years. For example, it's characterized by a limited horizontal eye movement. It's the result of a missing cranial nerve. It's most commonly found in the left eye and that it primarily affects women. But beyond this technical information, it's also taught me a lot about self-worth and confidence, external versus internal validation, and the process of developing self-acceptance, which I want to use this podcast to talk about. Over the years, I've shared pieces of my Duane Syndrome story on my personal social media, and I've been met with so much support and encouragement from friends and family. Sharing parts of my stories has led to people from the Duane Syndrome community reaching out to me, whether it be the parents of a young child recently diagnosed and they're trying to figure out how to navigate Duane Syndrome, or from a teenager or young adult who had never met someone else with Duane Syndrome before and they want to connect and share stories. So I'm starting this podcast to talk more about my experience with Duane Syndrome and answer a lot of the questions that I've gotten over the years from people both within and outside of the Duane Syndrome community. Now, before I start, I do want to give a few disclaimers. One, I am speaking from my personal experiences only, so please, please don't take anything I say as medical advice. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about is focused around Duane syndrome and identity and will be very anecdotal and personal to me. If you or your child has Duane syndrome and have specific medical questions, I would recommend talking to your doctor as they can give you far better <laughs> information than I can. My second disclaimer is that I've had two eye surgeries between the ages of zero and two years old to align my eyes and improve my range of motion thanks to my amazing surgeon, Dr. Freeman, here in Minnesota. Because of these surgeries, I now have fairly normal eye function with the help of contacts and glasses. Now, if you look at my left eye, you'll notice that it's a little bit smaller than my right eye, that it droops down a little bit, and that it gets smaller when I look inward. These signs are, for the most part, very cosmetic and interfere very little with my day-to-day -day life. I want to acknowledge that having this normal function and being able to live a normal life is a privilege and that there are many cases of Duane syndrome far more extreme than my own and that there are people with Duane syndrome to whose surgery is not accessible or not an option. My intention with this podcast is not to say that my experience represents everybody's with Duane syndrome, but rather to create a space of community around the condition since there's still not a lot of resources out there right now, particularly ones that go beyond medical jargon and statistics. I want to create something that is hopefully a little bit more accessible and can lead to more conversations about Duane syndrome, or for those listening who don't have Duane syndrome, maybe it can lead to conversations about the more hidden parts of us that feel really central to our identities. So if you're listening and you have Duane syndrome, You've probably encountered the ever-embarrassing question, at least once in your life, what's wrong with your eye? Sometimes it's from a well-meaning but blunt adult. Sometimes it's from a curious kid. 
And if I got that question growing up, my immediate response would be to turn red and blurt out something really quickly about how, no, it's not an eye infection, and I would stumble through a jagged summary of my condition. And then I would spend the rest of the day thinking about how I could have said and explained Duane syndrome way better. And I, looking back, I think that it was the product of not wanting to take up too much space and time explaining why I look and how I, why I function the way that I do. And I wish that I would have been equipped with the response or the tools to explain Duane syndrome a little bit better at that period of my life, because I think it's an excellent teaching moment and way to connect with people and be vulnerable. I think there was another part of me that felt the pressure of being a young girl, a young woman, of spending a large proportion of my life in a sport that was very focused on image and appearance, and of growing up in the social media age around Instagram. But I oftentimes felt embarrassed not to look like the norm or the standard, and there was a part of me that wanted to take up as little space as possible, especially when it came to talking about Duane syndrome. I can't pinpoint a moment where I found self-acceptance with my Duane syndrome or magically became confident overnight. On the contrary, I grew up in a lot of spaces that sometimes made self-acceptance feel pretty out of reach. I was a gymnast for 15 years, which is a sport that's largely built around aesthetics and reaching perfection. And by nature of being in that environment, you're constantly scrutinizing your appearance and your performance and being scrutinized until it is deemed quote unquote perfect. I remember being around 14 or 13 and telling myself, I can't be happy with who I am until I get a 9-4 on vault or some arbitrary standard like that. And then after that, every time that I hit one of those achievement markers, whether it be in gymnastics, in school, on social media, or with my appearance, which were all Achievement markers were all highly dependent on other people's standards or judgments of me, not a reflection of my personal growth or intrinsic worth. After I hit one of these markers, I would move the finish line further and further away until there was virtually no way I could meet the standard that I had set for myself, or no way I could be truly happy with who I was. Now, don't get me wrong. I learned a lot of important life lessons and experienced a lot of growth in pursuit of these goals. But oftentimes, I think I had a very damaging mindset around achievement, and I see parallels between that and my experience with Duane syndrome. In both situations, I felt like I needed to meet some societal expectation in order to accept myself. And when those were out of reach, it definitely did lead to some difficult feelings around self-worth. Now, I can't come on here and pretend that I've completely moved away from thinking like this. I mean, I'm in grad school right now, planning out my next steps and figuring out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, and a lot of things feel really fluid, and I definitely do feel the pressure of needing to find the best job possible or meet X, Y, or Z standard in school, or just be a successful person living in a new city for the first time. Sometimes I definitely still feel like the exact same child I was in elementary school being asked about my eye and feeling inadequate for not meeting the standard 
only this time the standard is repackaged as a job or an income or some other arbitrary marker of success. Maybe I'll always feel that way, or maybe it goes away over time. Maybe I'll listen to this podcast in a year from now and be like, wow, if I would have just relaxed and had some faith rather than obsessing all the time, I would have realized that things really would turn out just fine. But quarter-life crisis aside, I feel like I have learned how to navigate these feelings of insecurity or moments of low confidence over the years, and I do largely attribute it to my relationship with my Duane syndrome. I have to keep reminding myself about these tools every time that I enter a new life phase or a new environment, as they really have helped me, but they're not always the easiest to do. They definitely do push me out of my comfort zone. So the first time that I started sharing any thoughts or any stories about Duane syndrome online was the end of high school. I think I summarized the condition and talked about feeling uplifted by friends and family who saw saw past my imperfections and accepted me, especially in a society that I perceived at least to value perfection. I used the Duane syndrome hashtag on that post on Instagram. So people who had Duane syndrome found my post and started DMing me questions and stories about it. And it felt like the first time I had ever used social media to really connect and be vulnerable about something so personal, which honestly felt really gratifying. Experiences like that among a collection of other similar moments really propelled the way that I entered college. And I remember having a strong desire to get to know people deeply and establish connections based on that same type of vulnerability. It definitely led to some really amazing friendships, which helped me feel that much more supported and confident. To label this experience as a tool, I would say being honest. In my case, it was about Duane syndrome, but it could really be about anything. And not only acknowledging that part of myself, but really claiming it and examining how it shapes how I view myself and how I was viewing the world. I found that Feelings of shame and embarrassment tend to fester when they're ignored, at least for me, and my self-worth increased exponentially when I reflected on how I felt about my Duane syndrome. Then, after I felt like I had more of a solid grasp on that aspect of who I was, it made it a lot easier to share with other people. I found it had almost a snowball effect. Sharing myself made the people around me feel more comfortable sharing themselves, which, like I said before, led to some really strong friendships. The second tool is also related to building friendships and seeking out community. So aside from the questions that I got about my eye from other people, I was never really made to feel like my Duane syndrome was a defining aspect of who I was. So honestly, I would usually forget about it especially because I wasn't constantly looking at my face or my eye all the time in day-to-day life. But in spring 2020, during COVID, I was spending a lot of time online for virtual classes and work, mainly doing video calls. Though it was such a minor detail in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we were literally experiencing a global pandemic. This was the first time that I was aware of how my eye looked to other people. And I started to feel a little bit self-conscious, especially when I was meeting someone for the first time over Zoom or something like that. That being said, there was some good that came out of this shift to being exclusively online. I discovered a virtual support group for Duane Syndrome on Facebook, 
and suddenly found myself among nearly 2,000 people whose lives had been touched by Duane syndrome in some way. The night that I found that page, I spent hours scrolling through the posts and found so much encouragement in the stories of others. My favorite part was seeing videos that parents were posting of their young daughters with Duane syndrome, doing gymnastics, and just being so joyful um, walking across a balance beam or doing a cartwheel. Not only was it so special to see someone else with Duane syndrome, but it really started to reshape the way I thought about the sport after focusing primarily on the outcome and achievements and scores for so long. For so long in my life, Duane syndrome was an experience that I felt alone in, but the night that I found that online community helped me feel really proud of that part of myself. So those are my tools, vulnerability and community. I know that I'm not inventing the wheel with either of these, but wow, have they had the biggest impact on how I see myself and how I carry myself. When I'm really pursuing a goal or feeling low or when life gets busy, sometimes acting in accordance with these tools is really hard and I feel myself pulling away from the things that have shown me time and time again that they really do help make me feel better. For me at least, being reflective and intentional is usually the first step and accessing these tools and putting them to use to overcome self-doubt. So if you've made it this far into the episode, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for bearing with me and listening as I ramble on about my feelings and my thoughts. It really does mean the world to me. Before I end this first ever episode of Life with Duane, I want to answer a few questions that I've gotten from parents of people with Duane syndrome over the years. Now, I don't have kids yet, I'd like to in the future, but right now I can answer these questions based on what I've experienced growing up. The first question is, how should I talk to my child about their Duane syndrome? And to that, I would say, when you feel that your child is old enough, and I would say the earlier the better, explain Duane syndrome in a way that fits their level of understanding I would recommend reading up about Duane syndrome or bringing your questions to your ophthalmologist so that you feel well-equipped to answer questions from your child or um, talk to other parents or teachers about it. I would talk to your kid about how people might ask questions about their eye and practice with them some short responses so that they feel prepared when it inevitably does happen. It could be something as simple as, I have Duane syndrome, which affects the way that I move my eye. I had surgery to correct it, which is why my eye looks smaller or whatever fits for their scenario. Personally, I think that knowledge and having um, an understanding of something instills a lot of confidence. So having preparation on both you and your child's side would be really, really helpful as they navigate the world with Duane syndrome. Additionally, I would try to emphasize to your child that people are generally asking questions because they're curious, not because they're trying to be mean, but that it's totally normal and perfectly okay to feel uncomfortable when put on the spot. And my last recommendation is um, about social media. So when my parents were learning about my Duane syndrome, um, social media wasn't really a thing yet, which now makes me feel kind of old saying that. But, um, you know, thankfully, thanks to groups on like Facebook or Instagram, something like that, online forums, um, that type of support is a lot more accessible. So 
If possible, I would recommend joining one of those groups. The next question I've gotten before is, how do I make life as normal as possible for my child with Duane syndrome? And growing up, for me, my parents didn't really talk about my Duane syndrome too much, at least not in the context of, oh, you're so different than everyone else and your eye is a huge part of who you are. But they would answer all of my questions the best that they could. This approach really worked for me. I really liked it because it helped me to form my own identity and belief system around my Duane syndrome and who I was. My parents also encouraged me to do art and be creative and play and do sports, be with friends and read, all of that normal kid stuff and, you know, all things that weren't focused on my eye and naturally helped me establish a sense of self. Now, as a young adult, I definitely find myself returning to these things to feel grounded when I feel like I'm losing sight of who I am and for that I would say as best you can um, I would recommend helping your child engage in activities like this and encourage things that support healthy self-esteem. My next piece of advice would be to find role models whether that be in person or virtually you know living in 2023, we're really lucky that we have access to social media and online forums as a way to meet people, you know, across the country or across the world. So I would say, you know, on Instagram or maybe TikTok, I haven't looked too much into TikTok, but um, look up hashtags like Dwayne Syndrome or DS or join Facebook groups like the one I mentioned about Dwayne Syndrome. These are all really good ways to find people of all ages and backgrounds who have Duane syndrome and, you know, private message them or reach out to them in that way. In my experience, people are usually really willing to answer questions and connect over this shared piece of identity and are really happy to meet someone else with Duane syndrome. If nothing else, if you can't find anybody or don't feel comfortable um, using social media in that way, I would be really happy to talk to you if you have questions about growing up with Duane syndrome and I'll put my email address in the show notes for for this episode. And finally, my last piece of advice would um, be not to be afraid to advocate for accommodations for you or your child if necessary and teach your child to do the same. I didn't personally experience this growing up, but I have heard stories um, about how some kids with Duane syndrome maybe need to sit on a certain side of the room in school to see the board better and have the board like on their the side of their good eye and if you know if there's something that will improve you or your child's quality of life no matter how small um you know don't be afraid to speak up and ask ask for that and practice doing it with your kid so that they feel confident doing it for themselves. Like I said before though, I'm not a parent, so I'm only speaking from my experience, but hopefully at least some of these recommendations can give you a little bit of insight on growing up with Duane syndrome, and you can adjust or tweak them as needed to fit your specific needs. Duane syndrome to me is a daily visual reminder that I am not perfect. My face doesn't meet the standard of symmetry required to be biologically beautiful, which, as I've learned more about myself, 
I have found it to be one of the greatest blessings I could have been given. The space to not be perfect has lent itself to so many genuine connections and the messiness of the world, accepting that and being okay with it. And having Duane syndrome has been this ultimate reminder in every single endeavor that the relationships and growth that accompany the journey far exceed the end achievement. And while I'm in a place where I still set goals and I work hard to achieve them, being perfect holds so much less weight compared to who I meet and what I'm learning around along the way. So, even though the question, what's wrong with your eye, still catches me off guard and provokes some feelings of embarrassment, I know that there's power in understanding and vulnerability and compassion, which is what I hope I reminded you of on my podcast episode today. I am so grateful to have wonderful friends and family who have supported and accepted me just as I am and have always made me feel loved. Today and every day are perfect opportunities to recognize what makes you, you, and to celebrate them. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.